free header and the goal. Mikel Silvestre against the club he almost joined gives United a dream start inside 20 minutes. And there's another header and it's another goal for Mikel Silvestre. And the Frenchman has scored two goals in a game for the first time in his United career. And United have reclaimed the league. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Manchester United podcast. I'm Helen Evans and I'm joined by... Sam Homewood. Oh yeah. And not Maisie, unfortunately. We don't know where Maisie is. We think he's probably playing golf in Ireland in Malta, that's usually the places you find him. He spends a lot of time in Scotland too. He's with he's with Ben Thornley, isn't he? And I know Ben was going to Malta after the season finished, so they maybe they are in Malta. How can we not know where Maisie is? <laughs> he's a mysterious, mysterious man. <laughs> he is, he is, but he couldn't join us for this one, which is yeah. disappointing. Yeah, because he would have really enjoyed this one. Yeah, former teammate and a defender. Yeah, right up his street. Um, it is. I'm really excited to talk to Mikel Sylvester. I am too. I wanted to do this one in person when he was over mm-hmm. for the Legends game, but he had to shoot off. But yeah. do you know what? This is why Zoom was created for people like us to make fantastic content when people are across the world from us. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's perfect. It's absolutely ideal, isn't it? Good plug for Zoom there. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> there are other um, video things available. Yeah, but no What's one uses the phrase, them today. <laughs> other, I don't know. <laughs> video appliance I don't know I don't know video conferencing software oh yeah video conferencing hot hotware software that's that's producer Tasker because he knows the exact terms this is a mess isn't it it is a bit of a mess Um, I forgot to ask how you were Sam as well how was your holidays yeah it was very pleasant I got back at about one this morning oh nice it was nice though I didn't I didn't get burnt but I got bit a bit by some bugs. How are you? You're in oh, Belfast. I'm in Belfast. It is United Nations League. Four yes. games Northern Ireland have. So I've brought the mm-hmm. children back and we went to watch Northern Ireland last night who unfortunately lost against Greece. Yeah, was it a good game? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not a good game. <laughs> I haven't seen anything. I don't, I don't know any news. <laughs> so yeah, uh, football has stopped for everybody, but not for me. Still podcasting. Yeah. Still going to games. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one today, Sam. Yes, me too. Nine like, years at Manchester United. And his trophy haul is phenomenal. Read it out for me. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Five Premier League titles, one FA Cup, one League Cup, one commu- no, two Community Shields, one Champions League, one Intercontinental Cup, and two FIFA Confederations Cup. Phenomenal. Wow. What a time to be alive that you just join the team after they've won the treble and you leave after they've won the, the 2008 double. Champions yeah. League. Yeah, or the double. Not bad, is it? Yeah. It's not bad. Also, yeah. I always find it interesting to see the players that are able to win everything. So obviously winning the league, the FA Cup, the League Cup and the Champions League and maybe if you care about it, the Community Shield. That's everything completely. It's literally everything you can do at Man United. Serial winner. Mm-hmm. That's something that we're used to on these podcasts. We've had yes, lots of serial winners. I've met him a couple of times and he seems like a really nice guy. So I'm really looking forward to getting into his career and his life because it's hard to do that with people when you're just sat, like if he's at Old Trafford for doing punditry or something, you can't really, during the game, be like, so tell me about life growing up. Yeah. <laughs> does, it, does it seem appropriate? Well, we can find out about it now. Here he is, Mikel Sylvester. 
Mikhail, welcome to the United Podcast. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. And you? I'm very good, thank you. Um, we just obviously spoke very briefly before this actually started, and you're in Dubai right now, where it is ridiculously hot. It is uh, boiling. It's not hot, it's boiling. It's 45 degrees uh, when you're lucky. So it's, it's, it's intense. You don't spend much time uh, during the day in the sun, that's for sure. You've been in Manchester, Mikhail. You're used to that kind of weather. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, Helen, <laughs> it's just, it's more to balance what I've been experiencing in my life. Before, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> the lows and the highs of the weather. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, you just, uh, you just played in the Legends of the North game, right? Yeah. And I tried. <laughs> I imagine as a former professional athlete, you want to exercise and stuff. How, how can you exercise in that kind of heat? No, to be uh, yeah, to be honest with you, it's it's more winter that you enjoy the uh, the outside of Dubai. Really, really enjoy it because it gets cooler. I mean, cooler to the twenties. But then right now it's uh, it's gym, or you have to be uh, an early bird and go at six in the morning, which which I do sometimes to to get out in 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 the fresh at thirty degrees. Wow, <laughs> it's okay. You you manage. You have uh, you can swim and. Obviously, the the pulley have cooling systems. That's not bad. Uh, how many days did it take the legs and the body to recover after the Legends game? Were you sore for a few days? You have to have the guys who played ninety minutes. I played thirty, so I'm, I'm good. I was so fine. you were fine with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was fine. <laughs> Mikael, why Dubai? Tell us why you're in Dubai at the moment, and how long have you been there? It's been a year and a half, and uh, it's. It's a lifestyle, really, um, choice with the family, obviously, at the central decision of, of this move. Uh, we've been in Dubai before in 2016. But uh, now there was, uh, when, uh, when the second lockdown was uh, announced, we were in the Maldives. I was running a football camp over there and on the way back also participating, raising funds for, for Lebanon, for Beirut. And... Uh, when the announcement was made, uh, we took the decision to stay. So basically, we had our uh, suitcase from the holidays, and we were in Dubai from uh, end of October until May without traveling. Kids went back to school in uh, in November, and it was uh, it was fun. And uh, yeah, we settled properly again in Dubai. Wow. wow! So you think that you will stay there now? I think Dubai, you never say never. I think Dubai, a lot of people come and go. It's a, it's a big hub uh, for us right now. We still have a, a younger one at school. He's nine years old and a uh, few more years ahead of him uh, to, uh, to get his degrees and stuff. Uh, but yeah, I think right now it's, it's a good place to be. Uh, it's easy to travel and, and for businesses, he's also a, a major player in, in different different industries. I can see that you are nicely branded. Your yes. T-shirt says Talent Life. Tell us a little bit more about that company. Right. So it's a, it's a new venture for me. Uh, it's not a new activity because I've been working as a representative for, for athletes and especially football players for four years now. But it's, this is the, our little baby and my baby. And, and the company has been set up um, seven months ago now in Dubai. So talent for, obviously, uh, it means what it means. And life, uh, it's, it's a why instead of, a, of an eye. But it's, that's what uh, 
talent athletes, professional athletes go through. They go through a career, but it's we look at the global aspect of it, which is a life, and uh, we look at everything for them. And uh, it's a it's a privilege to be able to to share my knowledge, my experience. So um, that's that's the aim of of the company. And uh, yeah, we are at the beginning that's of something really exciting. Is that something you've wanted to do for a long time? Because of course. You did, after you retired, you took up um, the director of football role at Ren, right? And then now you're doing this. Is, was this always in your mind? Like, that's the thing, probably. It's been, uh, it's been my mind from my days at Arsenal when I saw the, the young players coming through, uh, playing for the, for the first team, like Gay Clichy, uh, Abu Dhabi, Armand Traoré, Bakari Sanya, Sami Anasri. So I've been helping them in... Uh, in few areas outside of football because obviously they were already playing for the first team but this is um, yeah it's been on my mind for a long time also the part that I that I enjoy the most is uh, helping the players support them into their performances so because what what's on the pitch is uh, consequences of everything else that you do before after the games and uh, I was privileged to 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 play for nine years for Manchester United, but uh, I've been in Italy, France, Germany, the US. So all of these different experiences, you meet different people in all sorts of areas uh, into the preparation, you know, physical, mental, tactical. I've had, uh, I played for national team, I've had different coaches, different generation of, of managers, top managers, as you know, one particularly Scottish. Um, so, yeah, it's it's all of that that I'm trying to uh, to to share with the with the players that that want to because it's it's a, it's a lot of uh, a lot of work, you know, a lot of hours. It's a lot of dedication, but I think it's worth it, and that's where I feel I feel valued. Uh, it's different from the club because in the club you are more orientated about results and you build teams, and I'm more interested in the individual so yeah. careers development and, and post career as well it's important did you have a good support yourself when you were a player or did you feel like you probably could have had a little bit more support from someone like yourself i've had good support my family is quite uh, deep into football my cousin was uh, uh, played for france 13 caps he's 10 years older than me so he's been through the academy system he, same generation as, as uh, Eric Cantona. They won the uh, European Championship under, under 21s at the time. Um, so I've had good guidance on the pitch, but of the pitch, uh, no one was equipped. Yeah. So I was lucky to meet the right people. I had a, a good agent who was a, a former player as well. So we had, we had uh, key decisions to make and uh, important uh, conversation to have. So... I thought he had always the right word to calm me down because in this business, you can easily lose your head for various reasons. Uh, but the main one is not playing, getting injured, you know, or the manager not picking you and suddenly you, you, lose, you lose everything because football, football means everything for you. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to, yeah, to make a mistake. So I've had... Yeah, but good, good guidance. But I think I'm pushing it to to the next level, really, because 
now the game is more uh, into details. It's very more, much more scientific. You know, we t- we're talking about sports science. We're talking about video analysis, tracking. And on top of that, you have media, uh, you know, the exposure for the player. There's so much at stake. It's the same for the managers. They are well exposed. The players are overexposed, so they need protection, they need guidance. So um, it's it's something that uh, we really take care of because it, it can damage your your reputation, your career in in the speed of a second, right? So it's very important to, to be there and to, to support the players. How do you feel like you would have coped with social media when you were playing, particularly for Manchester United? Because players now that play for Manchester United, the social media is enormous. But when you were playing, of course, it was really just newspapers and articles online were just kind of starting. Do you think you would have coped with that well? I think uh, it, it affects you. Everybody says, I'm not reading it, but you have to. Um, and you are just curious to know what people think about it. It's it's important to to have an eye, not to be obsessed by it, which is difficult uh, to assess when you are a player. You know, you are just turning 20, playing first team football, and you are under a lot of scrutiny. Uh, yourself, your performance, then your private life is exposed. So I think it would have been tough. But the fact that I was settled with my wife and girlfriend and wife and um, Manchester was calm and I think also the manager was was uh, was a good uh, policeman in that respect, <laughs> in a good way, you know. That's the first time I've heard someone refer to him as a policeman. <laughs> he was everything. Usually a teacher or a father figure, but we'll take policeman, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, policeman. I'll tell you why I say I use this word, because at my time, we just started the players to have our own uh, website. So I was tempted to do it. So I, I did, someone was running a page for me. And uh, at the beginning, we would do interviews after the game. So about, the, like, I don't know, 10 questions after every game on the phone, someone would write down and then we post it on the website the, the day after probably. But then it, it started being picked up by uh, the tabloids, you know, the papers. And uh, when, when it was translated, and then the, the boss could read it. And with some of them, he wasn't happy at all. You know, when you say, I don't think we performed well. <laughs> if at that time, only him can, could say that. So for me, it was my interview in, in, in my website, but then it was in uh, the back uh, page of the, mm. of the paper. So it got, I got the hairdryer <laughs> twice. So I shut down the website. <laughs> no more interviews. Did you get many hair dryers? Uh, but I, I can I can remember two yeah two over nine years. It's okay, right? It's pretty yeah. good, I think. What was yeah. the other one for? No, the other ones were performance, like uh, just a mistake, uh, one mistake against Southampton at home. I think it was my first, uh, no, my second home game. Yeah, recovering the ball from midfield a position like 40 meters from our goal and then I carried on on the right side lost possession uh, and then they equalized and then the other one was a at uh, Watford away uh, I lost a 1v1 against Ashley Young 
uh, and they is he crossed and then they scored for the equalizer. Yeah, I think we scored first. Yeah, I scored first. My goal. <laughs> uh, but yeah, still, it doesn't matter if you score or whatever performance you do with the gaffer. It's like if you make a mistake, you're gonna you're gonna hear about it. Mm-hmm. What what's your approach? Did you just sit there and take it, or do you argue back? No, I never argued back. You just sit and you want to go into your shoes, you know, <laughs> to be as little, as small as possible. <laughs> um, Mikael, if I could just ask you, you mentioned your cousin played football professionally, but I read that your dad, he played semi-professionally. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. And what was the football team that you all supported as a family? Or was it a case of just supporting your dad? It was more about supporting my dad. So I grew up in Tours. So it's two hours south of Paris. So it's uh, the Loire Valley, a lot of castles and, and wines, a good region to visit. Football-wise, the, the, the team was in top division, I don't know, 40 years ago. For more, 50 years ago now. I'm getting old. Um, and I uh, went down to second division nights in, uh, yeah, uh, like uh, lower. And uh, yeah, we didn't really support that team because when you play around in the small, um, small clubs around, these are the rivals. So I never supported one particular team, just uh, very uh, keen to watch the, the teams who were playing in Europe. So at that time it was Bordeaux, Marseille, PSG and yeah always always watching football in my diet the World Cup and, and the Euros Were you a football obsessive child or were you just into all sports? I was um, doing other sports but mainly at school otherwise outside of, of it it would be uh, training once or twice and then play at the weekend so many many football but I wasn't obsessed I was just enjoying it you know um, enjoying the, the game and having fun with my friends. So I guess because your cousin played for France and your dad was semi-professional, when you were playing, were you thinking, they, they, this could be my life, I could be a footballer too, or were you just playing because you liked it, or was there something else you wanted to be? No, I was, you know, at, when you reach the age of 12, 13 at school, they ask you what you want to do. So for me, it was like being a sports teacher. So I enjoyed playing playing other games like basketball, volleyball, mainly with with the ball uh, running wasn't so keen on rugby not, not tough enough. Uh, <laughs> yeah um, I did uh, I did a lot of uh, sailing growing up hmm. uh, during the holidays and um, yes I think you know I, I really thought it could be uh, my uh, my job when I joined the academy of of Ren. Uh, because until you are in this environment and you sign a contract, I wasn't bothered about it. I was just trying to uh, enjoy, win my games, and be selected for the uh, the county, uh, and then the regional, and then I ended up playing national team later at the age of 16, 17. But I couldn't imagine, because I didn't know what a pro would what does it mean to be a professional? Okay, you play at the pro level, but the life is like what it's yeah. just playing football at a higher level. You don't know what's what behind uh, the scene really as a child. Where is Ren um, in comparison to your house? Is that close by? It's three hours away by train. Uh, so I would only, so I joined at the age of 15 uh, and I would only go back for the holidays. So three times a, a, a year. 
And who did you live with? Did you live in an academy or did you live with a family? Yeah, in the French system, it's completely different from uh, from UK. It's uh, it's a boarding school. Yeah. So you are with your mates 24-7, like literally 24-7. So my best memories in football, except from winning uh, major trophies, are in this period of time. Uh, you know, from 16 to from 15 to, to 18, 19, 20. Uh, it's great memories and I've got friends for, made friends for life in that period of time. It was fantastic. Sounds like loads you were of in fun. the academy. Yeah, you were in the academy with some incredible players. Who were you close to at that time? Um, my best friend, uh, Usman Dabo, uh, who made a career. Uh, Ludovic Roy, who, who played for St. Mary's, so he made also a career. And then I've got two friends, uh, best friends. They didn't make a career, but we are extremely close. We, we speak a lot. Uh, one of them is working with me in talent life. So it's a close group of, of, of friends that I, I kept from that time. That's really cool. And you actually made your debut just 18 years old. Did any of your friends follow in that path? I know you said there a couple of your friends went on to play professionally, but were you one of the first out of your group of friends to make the step up to the first team? No, I wasn't. Um, Usman played before me and uh, yeah, I was eager to, uh, to, to join him in the first team. And yeah, my first my first game was against Bordeaux. I came on as a as a sub. And then the following season, I played a lot a lot more against PSG. There was fantastic players like David Ginola, Leonardo, uh, Rai, and it was amazing uh, feeling at 19 to be playing professional football. Liga wasn't huge, but still, uh, it was for us. It was the the summer. It was a summit, sorry. <laughs> and uh, you're playing centre back at this point. A, from that, so until until um, 17 years old, I was playing midfield, so I was box to box, a lot of energy in there. And then there was a gap at left back, uh, first team, so that way I started. Uh, played also centre back, so there was that. Um, yeah, I kept playing either left back or centre back. And I kept that uh, versatility um, until uh, until the end. I mean, the fact that I was left-footed was also a, a plus uh, for me because there is always, you know, when you look at squads in general, um, you will have, uh, if you're lucky, if you have three, four uh, left-footed players in, in your squad. So in that way, it was an advantage to be, to be left-footed because let's be clear, I wasn't... Extremely talented. I just had uh, a very good stamina, uh, desire to to progress and to uh, to perform, uh, and then the appetite came for for the rest. You know, in terms of uh, improving my, my left foot. Uh, technically, I wasn't gifted. When I joined the academy, I was poor compared to the other boys. I was really poor. My strength was uh, uh, power and, and, and speed. You know, uh, the rest I had to work hard on it. That is uh, very humble for someone who wants five Premier League titles, the <laughs> FA Cup, the League Cup, the Champions League, uh, the Intercontinental Cup and the FIFA Confederations Cup twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty yeah, good for someone who says, let's be clear, I wasn't very good. <laughs> no, but um, when I joined the academy, if you look, you know, the coaches, you speak to them a few years later or 10 years or 15 years later and, and they look at their notes and they, 
there is no no way is written that I'm gonna reach such a, such a height. Uh, and uh, I knew it. I knew it. You know, you have, you. It's easy to measure yourself. You do one training session, two training session, and you know where you stand that in that group. When you join the academy in France, you join the elite. And uh, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't close enough. And I gradually I made my way up. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the one who played at the highest level for from all of them. You must have made remarkable improvements from when you joined the academy then until you played in that first team. What was it about those three years that you think you just took that extra step? I think I was physically gifted. That's one. Then I hated losing. I hated losing. So not making it uh, wasn't an option. Yeah. Ego is... <laughs> yeah. It's it's playing it's playing a big part, but um, yeah, I think this is the the most important was that I was uh, trying to beat everyone at any given time, any task there was. Uh, you want to finish on top, so we're always talking about the obsession of Cristiano, you know. And I think most of the players who, who make it as a pro, that's that's the difference between making it or not. And then obviously you have to man- you have to maintain that, but uh, I think this is this is key in your development. Are you still like that? Because we did a podcast. It probably was one or two years ago now, Sam. I can't even remember when. With Bruno Fernandez, who mm-hmm. wouldn't let his two or three year old child beat him at Uno. Are you still the same as that? Does that competitiveness yes. stay with you for yes, life? Yes, yes. I let, I let no. I don't let them win at Uno. That's for sure. But yeah, there is competition. <laughs> Uh, there is competition. It's not bad. I think it's, it's good. It's positive. You know, uh, it depends on the environment. But uh, even when we play the Legends game, we, we hate losing. So it doesn't go away. It's, it's within us. I think later on, you become, a, when you're older, you, you become a bad loser. <laughs> That's different. But, yeah. Uh, no, no, it's, it's a good habit. Do your children play football? Uh, so yeah, we have uh, we so we have four children. Um, the first one plays tennis. The second one plays football. She's uh, so three girls first. She played for West Ham Academy a little bit when we were in London, and uh, now she got a football scholarship. So in the wow. US, she will be joining a college in Orlando. So she's she's got a full scholarship for football and uh, and one for academy as well, academic. And so that's a four years ahead of her. Uh, and uh, yeah, she's she's almost my height. She plays centre-back. Uh, but let me tell you, until the age of 10, she didn't want to hear about football. It was like, no way, I hate it. Uh, she, when people would come up, come up to me to ask for autographs, she would, she would hide. <laughs> uh, and now she's, she's into it. Not crazy, not uh, uh, fanatic, but she enjoys playing. She enjoyed it, so that's good. Yeah, and uh, we have and the third one, the girl. She's also playing with us. She's sixteen. She plays in Dubai. Um, it's more for the social uh, part of it. Mm-hmm. And we have a boy, nine years old, who is playing as well here. He's uh, he reminds me a bit of me. Uh, he's going for all the challenges, mm-hmm. head first. 
That's funny. Really funny. That's a sport, sporty family. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. So obviously you started playing for Ren and taking it back to football now. And sorry. you, that's okay. You don't have to say sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you are doing very well and you're playing games. And eventually, after a couple of years, Inter Milan come in. Yes, it's and that's a big that's a big European club. So that must have been very exciting. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tricky one because uh, the club is when I moved to Inter, I'm still on the up like scholarship. Mm -hmm. So uh, I started playing pro with the pros. I'm scholar. I'm on a scholar, and until I reach Inter Milan, I'm on. Uh, uh, yeah, I signed my first professional contract with Inter Milan. So uh, it was a big headline at the moment because at that time, so Usman Dabo, my best friend, and myself went to Inter Milan on a on a free transfer. We used the uh, the bossman law uh, to go away to break away from our from our academy team, first team uh, run. And yeah, it was a big a big one, a uh, big one because that team. Uh, the previous season won the European Cup final against Lazio in uh, Parc des Princes and Ronaldo Fenomeno is playing Yuri Djorkaev Zamorano Diego Simeone Zanetti uh, Aaron Winter uh, Recoba Canu I mean Bergomi I mean it's it's crazy so it was fantastic to to move to Italy so learn Italian and yeah, play play for that team. We had four managers in that season. In fourteen months, we had four managers. Wow! And I played uh, I played as a left wing back, so it was it was great to play against Cafu, against Diego Fuzer. Yeah, Juventus was massive. I mean, Italy Italian football at that time was was big, it was big. So, how come you left after only one season? Um, when so when Marcello Lippi took over in the summer, um, he told me that I would. I would uh, get less game time. Uh, it would recruit someone with more experience. So my agent said, I can start looking if you want. I was like, yeah, there is no way I'm going to sit on the bench after after playing. I played like 30 games in total. So yeah, it was, I was like, let's, let's find a, a move if we can. Otherwise, I'll stay here and fight for my place. No problem. But uh, quickly, uh, Liverpool came and then United. Uh, yeah, because so I read that you had the choice between United and Liverpool because Gerard Ullier tried to sign you, and that must have been tempting. Did you know him? Because obviously he's very prominent in French football. Yeah, it was an easy conversation with Gerard in, in France. But you know, after playing against uh, United with Inter in quarterfinal, I had to follow United all the way to Champions League final, and then you see the the treble. So. At that time, Liverpool wasn't wasn't near, nowhere near that. That I mean, the project at, at United was there, and Liverpool was there. So easy choice for me in the end. Even if the manager was Jao Ye, who was my coach at the uh, under twenty level, we had a conversation with Salex with his his broken French in my uh, <laughs> very very small English. And yeah, the choice was easy. The fact that at the time Manchester United, well, still now, but at the time, definitely the biggest club in the world, the most successful season ever. Then you go to United and Sir Alex just picks you up from the airport. 
Like, was there a moment when you thought, like, what has just happened to him in the last year and he's just picking me up casually from the airport? Yeah, it's true that if you have the, I mean, I'm landing in Manchester and the manager is picking me up, I'm like, are they broke? (laughs) (laughs) Can they not afford a taxi? (laughs) Was he in his own car? Yeah, of course he was. He was. Yeah. He was, what was uh, it? Do you remember? Car. Yeah. I was. <laughs> it was a, a German car. Uh. <laughs> a big, uh, did he come in uh, with a sign to the airport or did you just like, I really want to know more about the situation? <laughs> <laughs> no, there was someone from security with him and uh, it, was, it was easy to, to recognize. Um, so straight to his car and it took us to took us to, uh, to the hotel, me and my agent, uh, to have a chat and, and the rest because the next day I had to, to start the, uh, the medical early in the morning and then sign a contract and off you go to, to Liverpool to play the next day. Because <laughs> you didn't, as you say, you didn't have much English at the time. So were you using your agent to communicate with Sir Alex in the car journey? What, what was... Situation. No, we, we, we spoke, uh, so we spoke, uh, yeah, I mean, my English was very basic from school, um, but uh, the most difficult with Salex is the accent, so it takes a while to, to, to get used to it, you know, uh, so that was uh, the challenging part, but uh, football is, it's not scientific, the discussion we're having, so it was easy to, to pick up uh, the, the, the basic, I would say. It wasn't... Uh, a fluent conversation or 100% uh, understanding on both sides, but for the, for the important decisions and uh, messages, messages, the key messages he wanted to, to tell me that was, uh, I think my agent's English was worse than mine, so <laughs> yeah, I had to be on the front line on that one. <laughs> what was the reaction like in France when you did make that move? Yeah, it was obviously a good reaction, uh, but at that time, I was just a, a youngster that actually the publicity we made for ourselves to go to Interminal wasn't good, so uh, to go to United after that, still you had people saying, ah, oh, you won't be playing there, uh, it's not it's not club for you, it's too high, you, you have, uh, yeah, your expectations are too high, it's, it's not going to, it's not a good fit, but uh, no, I think... People, uh, the specialists were uh, happy for me. My family obviously was super happy for me. Uh, but then we are, you know, it's, the move is nothing. The most important is to establish yourself and, and stay there. Did uh, Just one last thing on the move. Because you moved to Inter Milan for free, as you said before, did the, the fee United paid, like four million pounds, did that interest you were you curious about what you would cost did you feel any pressure because of it or was it just something you didn't pay any attention to i don't think i paid too much attention to that because it was uh first of all negotiation between the two clubs mm-hmm. i wasn't involved involved at all and then even the day i signed i don't i'm not sure i knew about it it's after when when you start reading the papers or the club spend that much money i remember later roy king saying Something like, hmm, me, you, you cost more than me. <laughs> it was, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I didn't pay attention. So I didn't play anything in my, um, to settle, you know, I wasn't, uh, there was, yeah, no much, so much first about it. 
Did you know much about English football? Obviously, you'd mentioned you'd watch United um, win the treble. But did you pay attention to English football much throughout your career? Right. So at that time, like I said before, the Italian league was on TV in France, but not uh, not the English. So we got to see a little bit, but very little when uh, the French started coming to to England. So Eric, uh, David Ginola, and yeah, Nicolas Sanalka, and later, I think Thierry came the same year as me. So there wasn't a lot for us to uh, uh, to follow. Uh, so my really my only uh, uh, point of um, reference was the, the the two two legs the previous years previous year season sorry against United in Champions League with Inter Milan. So you'd never perhaps seen a United Liverpool game, or had you? Or was it your no. first experience when you played first two experience. days after? Wow! Yeah, first experience. So. It maybe it was better, you know, in a way, because yeah. I two nights to get ready for the game. I mean, not, not even getting ready, get to know my teammates. One training session, next day I was on the pitch, so <laughs> maybe it was better not to think too much about, oh, this is Liverpool, big, big rival. Was it a shock to you, the atmosphere at that game? No, it wasn't a shock uh, because I played uh, Inter against AC, uh, you know, 80,000 yeah. fans crazy singing. So, um, plus I didn't pay attention to what was said to on the sideline when I was picking picking up the ball for, for throw-ins. Uh, I was just concentrating on, on having a good game. And, you know, when you're going to the zone, uh, you can... You can pretty much, uh, yeah, take, take away the supporters if you want to, and just, uh, yeah, just focus on, on the game. So that first season at United, you played thirty-one league games. So everyone who said you might not play much was wrong, and you won the Premier League title. The next season, you played thirty league games, and you won the Premier League title. It must have been a dream start. It was uh, fantastic. I mean, that team was uh, the dream team. Uh, we've had games where we would we would start slow, uh, maybe we would concede first, but as soon as we pass into the second gear and third gear, we we would just uh, crash the other team. And the quality in training, the quality in the game was something else. So I mean, I had to even yeah, I reached United aside, but still I wasn't up to the level in different areas so it, it made me a, a better player you know when we get better playing amongst the top players so this squad made me a better player how did you get on with your teammates very well uh, it was easy to adapt um, it's easy to adapt when you win it's easy to adapt if you, if you perform but the most important is to to make them realize you are an asset for the team uh, that's the best way to be a uh, to be integrated and to settle, and uh, uh, yeah, three days later I could I could play with them, and it was good. The, the gaffer told me that I would start at left back, but he, he knew that um, I could play. I mean, I would eventually play more cent- central defense with Yap uh, and Enning and and Ronnie Janssen. So for me, it was a dream start and. Uh, yeah, dream 
first two seasons winning the league was amazing. Amazing, uh, amazing experience, amazing feelings. It was fantastic. I'll just, As um, I mentioned, you're... Hang on, I'll jump in for a second. No, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, just for anybody who's listening, uh, Mikhail, you're having some building work done, right? <laughs> yes, we're so, having some, <laughs> some work done. Yeah. Sorry, guys, it's upstairs. Oh, my God. <laughs> this <laughs> is fine. the joy of Dubai, you know that. <laughs> Dubai, there's always something going on, that's for sure. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, go on, I was just going to ask, I've mentioned before that you joined after that treble winning, uh, they won the treble, sorry. What mentality did you notice about that group of players when you initially came into that team? Did you notice something different and think, yeah, that's why they were so successful? Yeah, they would uh, tell each other off. Um, and there is no better way to to progress, push push each other. If you always tap uh, your teammates on the back, uh, you're not going to improve. That's what that level demands. Uh, and it was different from any other team I've played at. I had that at Inter Milan, but in, um, at United, it was, it was more and it was coming from everybody. <laughs> and I mean, everybody. You know, if you had a, a bad touch, a bad pass, you would certainly have also a bad look. If only a bad look, if you're lucky, or a, a bad word from a from a teammate or two or three, and that was it. So at the base of it, obviously it's a talent, but the uh, the demand uh, from each other was was uh, was immense, and it made us uh, it made us progress. So that was that. And the other thing was like, never, never give up. Never give up. I mean, when you win, when you score two goals in the final of Champions League, uh, extra time, I mean, injury time, this is something that then after that was, was there every time. We, uh, we made a lot of comebacks. We, we scored a lot of goals at the end because there's the uh, mental effort you have to, to produce, to be there. It goes also with the, with the physique, uh, but we knew we, we, we were able to, to do that. So those, those two trademarks mm -hmm. were for me uh, key elements in the success at United. Obviously, David May usually joins us on our podcasts. What was your, f but he's not here today. He's probably playing golf because that's usually what he does with his time. Um, what memories do you have of Maisie? Troublemaker, I would assume. He, the first word, yes. Uh, because he was injured when I joined. So the only uh, thing I could see of him was in the dressing room, messing around, jokes, cracking jokes. Uh, yeah, a lot of uh, banter of Maisie. He was very good at it. I was struggling with the, uh, sometimes with his sense of humor. We all are. The, very, very dry, <laughs> very dry. And uh, yeah, my English wasn't great, but uh, I think he uh, he's like uh, he's like wine, maybe he's getting better with age. <laughs> <laughs> he will love that. He will love that. Yeah. Uh, Mikael, what was life like at United? So uh, with those first two seasons, obviously you won the Premier League title and then for three years, we didn't win it, but you did win an FA Cup and a League Cup. Were those years, did they feel different to the previous seasons when you were beating everybody? Yeah, there's, um, 
you have to question yourself. Uh, we knew that it would be difficult to stay at the top. Everybody wants to, to beat us. And also mentally, it's hard to maintain this high intensity, uh, this demand on each other. So it was, uh, it was, uh, it was disappointing uh, because we were always aiming to, to win it. So the, uh, the caps were like, uh, uh, okay, it's not that bad, but that was the feeling, you know, it's not that bad. Uh, but at the end, we were all disappointed to, to give the title to whether it was Arsenal or, or Chelsea. I suppose um, then winning it back must have been very special. It was. Uh, you know, singing uh, We Got Our Trophy Back was, was very, very good. It was, um, it was a tough, long season uh, with a lot of up and down and... It, it was, uh, I think, from the first three trophies, it was uh, 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 titles for me. It was uh, the best one because we had to fight. And when you finally uh, lift the trophy and you can enjoy, celebrate, that was uh, the best feeling ever. Not that you ever got long to celebrate because Sir Alex let you, what, have a day and then back to normal. Did it? We've, we've spoken to players before who found that quite strange when they first came to United, thinking, why are we not celebrating for the week? We've just won the Premier League. But did you find it hard to get used to that mentality that we celebrate, yet we move on? Or was that quite normal to you anyway? It was quite normal. I think it's also uh, it balance with the disappointment because it was the same. When you lose, uh, you lose a final or you you have a bad game, then it's the next day you you have to soak it um, and then move on. So the gaffer always had this mentality that yeah, you you reach the top, but the next day you have to work because there will be somebody who's trying to get into your spot. Uh, so you can't waste time celebrating really. But no, there was enough. I mean. I mean, I know Dwight Chalk asked for a year off when they won the treble, but uh, I think it was over the top. <laughs> we did yeah. ask Sir Alex that question, I think, but I don't think he remembered that. Yeah. <laughs> Mio, apart from your final two seasons at United, you played in over 30 Premier League games every season. But during your career, you did still have a few injuries and some were quite big, weren't they? Yeah, I've had, um, I've had two cruciate ligaments, so one at United and one later when I was playing in the MLS, Portland Timber, Timbers. Is that the same leg or two different knees? No, the other one, the other oh. one. Uh, but uh, the first, so the first cruciate at United, I did uh, my uh, cartilage when I joined Werder Bremen, so I had a piece of cartilage like this missing. Uh, I was about. 32 years old at that time and the surgeon asked me if I wanted to carry on playing I said yeah of course I want to carry on playing so we had the, uh, the surgery and um, he, he did a good job because I was back uh, four months later and uh, I'm still able to play I don't have any swollen in the knees I mean uh, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky with uh, my recovery so that so three major operations in the knees and the shoulder also in 2007 dislocation with the ligament rupture so I had to, to go to hospital straight after the game and three days later they uh, repaired that shoulder so yeah four really big ones uh, but every time I was able to 
to come back and perform at the highest level. Did you find being injured difficult mentally at United, for example? How, how difficult did you find that? You feel that I, at United, I've, yeah, like I think it's everybody feels the same. You feel, uh, you feel lonely and you feel useless. So these two feelings are not great, not easy to deal with because there's not much you can do about it. Useless because you can't play, so you can't help the team, you can't compete, you can't have fun. You're there, you see your teammates going for training, you stay inside, you're going to do some treatment. Uh, but I was able to go away abroad and do some rehab in France, which was nice. And I think uh, it was clever from, from the manager to allow players, especially foreigners, mm -hmm. to, to go back home and to recharge and be away from, from everybody from the training ground. Uh, so I had this opportunity to do that, uh, and then you feel uh, you feel alone because there is a lot of hours where it's it's you against against the clock because you want to come back as as soon as possible, and you work with a physio or you work alone, so you're away from the team. So as much as you want to go away, you want to be back and with the team. It's it's a strange feeling. Uh, but until you're back training and, and playing, you, it's, a, it's a long, it can be very lonely, a difficult, uh, difficult moment to, to, to live, to go through. Is it right that in 2006, you actually, the club would have, would have sold you if you'd wanted to go and then you stayed and then ended up getting a new contract? Yes, and that was a wake-up call. Uh, so the gaffer called me in his office. He said, Jao uh, again was in Lyon. At that time, I uh, was interested. And then Newcastle came and I said, no, I'm not leaving. Uh, so he said, fine, see you at training. <laughs> and, it was uh, as easy as that? <laughs> as easy as that, yeah. You know, because uh, when you spend, I mean, it was seven years together and he, uh, he liked me. So, you know, I did any, nothing wrong. It's just that performance-wise maybe was probably was thinking he's not at his best anymore. Uh, I might need to replace him, bring some, some fresh blood and it's business at the end of the day. Also, it's a good time to sell him good value. But I said no, because honestly, I felt like uh, I felt part of, of United and I wanted to fight for, uh, for more, get more trophies, fight for my place in the team. And that's what I did. Uh, so I stayed on, I signed a new contract and even when I left for Arsenal, he wanted me to stay. Uh, but at that time, it was my decision to leave. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's strange, the career. Uh, short conversation like this can uh, define uh, your, your, your destiny. What changed between that first conversation in 2006 and then I think 2009 when you went to Arsenal? I wanted a fresh start. Um, you know, nine years, it's, it's a long time. Um, I enjoyed it, but uh, I was, okay, I was in competition with Patrice and, and Vida uh, for, for, for places. There was a lot of games to be played, so I was getting game time, but um, for me, it was a, a right time in my, in my life and in my career to, to discover something else and uh, yeah, I just wanted to move and 
I think it was a, a time to test myself again. Because whenever you join a new club, you have to, to prove again. Not from zero, but still you have to be accepted by teammates and show your worth. So it was, it was good for me to go. What, um, before we get to Arsenal, what was it like? Obviously, life, I guess, in your last couple of seasons were difficult because of your cruciate injury. But what was it like to win the Champions League with Manchester United? It was, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult to put uh, trophies uh, ahead of others. But this one was special for me because I was involved in the Champions League. That was my 10th season. So one for Inter and then nine for United. So 10 times you enter the competition, you want to win it. <laughs> you fight, you fight, you lose. And you lose in, in the last 16, in the, in the quarter, in semi. And uh, it's frustration, frustration. It's a long time. Grow coming. And that season, I do my turn my ACL in September. I come back in March. And uh, I said to Gaffer, I'm ready to play. He said, no, no, you need to play reserve first. So I play one game. I go back, Gaffer, I'm ready. <laughs> ready. No, no, play one more game. Okay, I play one more game. And I come back training. And then the first game back, uh, it's uh, Roma at home, uh, quarterfinal, uh, straight away from the starting 11. So I'm like, maybe I shouldn't knock on the door. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And uh, everything goes well. We I play good. We, we win. We go through. Um, semi-final, I come on against Barcelona. And then final, I'm, I'm just happy to, to make the, the squad because... Obviously, Patrice has been playing well. I just come back from injury in March. And uh, you have guys like uh, Jason Park not making the squad. He's done so well that season. So I'm happy. If I, start, if I don't start, I know it's, it's quite normal. I'm ready to, to go on. And then, yeah, we win. So it was a special season. Very, very special. And winning it was, was fantastic. Did that have any impact on your thoughts about leaving United? Because then you'd want everything you could win with the club. Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, but we came back for pre-season and uh, I was like, you know what? Uh, I think with what the lads achieved last season, I don't think I'm going to be uh, starting as much as I, I want, I wish. And so the gaffer was like, no, you're going to play a lot, don't worry. We're going to rotate and Sometimes I could play left back and Patrice would play uh, in front of me in midfield. Uh, but still, it was like, yeah. Um, I don't think I really uh, thought about, okay, I want everything now I can go. It wasn't like that. You know, it wasn't like planned like this, but it was just a feeling that, yeah, it's, it's time to, to move on and, and test my, myself as well. Can I ask, you've probably been asked this quite a number of times, but I've never heard the answer. 1999 squad or 2008 squad, which one for you? I know you come in in the back of the 1999 squad, but... Played against them, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, the only one, the only major piece of the puzzle who, who left was uh, Peter Smashel uh, when I joined. Um, it's... it's uh, I think in terms of Character and uh, I would say 99 quality across the field was something else. It was like 
because that that squad in 2008 is not fully mature. Mm. You know, it's a it's a young Rune, a young Ronaldo, youngish Michael Carrick. They went on and on for for years after, but I think the '99 was uh, it was top. I mean, it's a trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got to win it all to compete, I suppose. Yeah. Um, is it right you had the choice between Arsenal or City? Why are you asking me this question? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say you did. You were halfway through a medical at City, but we'll move on and just talk about Arsenal. <laughs> and I met the physio. He's back at United, who had the responsibility to take me through the through the medical. And he said, uh, since then. We lock the doors after when we have someone <laughs> for medicals. <laughs> and we do medicals in all in one, not halfway through the day. Uh, no, no, no. So, yeah, no, it was uh, lunchtime at the call from Arsene Wenger. Come uh, to come in and play. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a crazy day. I mean, just a crazy day. It was that crazy that after I joined, I, I got injured because he played so much on my mind that. Some fibers in my in my thigh just snapped. It's it's only in football you can see that. You know, I gave my my green light to uh, Mark Youth, and then a few hours later, I have to call him. Uh, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I've got an offer from Arsenal, <laughs> and he was Mark was amazing. He said, "You know what? Just go and." Just go and, and see if you can uh, work it out. Uh, and if not, you can always come back. You know, because he said, if I was in your shoes, I would have done the same. You know, the city wasn't, wasn't competing for them. I mean, they were just new ownership with a Thai, Thai uh, owner. And they wanted to build a team to, to compete with United and com- to compete for the title. But uh, Arsenal was the, the all the franchise and, and Arsene Wenger, the... Uh, as a manager so it was really a really a good a good move for me I can't imagine in that year that Sir Alex Ferguson would have been too happy with either of those options he <laughs> <laughs> wasn't but you know at the end I'm not the goal scorer I'm not uh, not going to yeah. affect uh, the game that much uh, so it was just uh, one of those where he said okay son just go and do your thing and see you soon but uh yeah, we had such a good relationship that it wasn't an issue for him. What was, how do you feel fans react to that move? Because Gabriel Einstein has, you know, allegedly tried to get a move to Liverpool and that's yeah. still remembered and that still, I think, taints his legacy at United that he tried to get that move. I know City and Arsenal aren't Liverpool, but Arsenal in particular, during your career and during that era, were the team that United battled probably the most before Chelsea became the Chelsea that they are today. And I certainly don't remember there being any bad blood about you going to Arsenal. It was like, oh, wish him well, good luck, that's nice. He's, got a, he's going to a decent club. Yeah, it was that feeling as well that I received, uh, I had, because, yeah, it's, it's not Liverpool. It's, it's just, uh, me, I wouldn't think about going to Liverpool. I don't know why Gabi had this <laughs> desire to, to do that. I don't think he understood exactly what the rivalry was was about. Um, and, uh, yeah, for Arsenal it was different. I think, a, yeah, being a competitive, a direct competitor of, of us was was something. But in the end, 
Um, it was all about what's happening on the pitch. It wasn't about uh, legacy. It was, okay, the managers are, are the few around, but you see now they, now they, they, they like each other. It was part of the competition. It wasn't ingrained in, in such a way that it was impossible. That's why Danny Welbeck made the move and, and Robin came on the other side as well. So I'm not sure the yeah, Arsenal was... fans were so forgiving with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, they're not. Uh, yeah, because, because they, they feel like he's never produced his form for them. And then suddenly at United, he stopped scorer and uh, won the league. And yeah, it was difficult. But, you know, uh, yeah, Vivian Dessan made the move as well before before me. So, yeah, um, it, it was special. Uh, it, it played on my mind, but it wasn't like a, somebody would not forgive me for, for making it. And also, you know, the fact that I'm not Mancunian, right? I became one, but I'm not born and bred red. <laughs> um, I'm just a passenger, right? It would have been difficult for, it would have been impossible even to think about a guy Neville, a Paul Scholes, a, a Nicky Butt to go and play for Arsenal. I think for them it would have been, I think their families to be in with would have been like, there's no way you can do that. <laughs> for me it was different. <laughs> Closer to Paris, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of manks in that dressing room that you were in. What did you learn from them as characters during your time at United? I think football for... For them, uh, because I came from Italy and from France, football for them were, was more of a game than, than the rest of us, than the Europeans. Uh, so they come, they get changed, they train, they train hard, okay? They train hard, they're having fun, they're having fun, a lot of fun. And then they go home. For me, it was, I go at work. And um, in France, it's that mentality. In Italy, it's different level. It's really like you're going to work. So when you're going to work, you dress like you're going to work. You uh, prepare for your work, right? You arrive early for your work. You arrive on time for your work. Uh, you eat healthy. Uh, you sleep. You, you do a lot of stretching. You do uh, a lot of extra work for your work to be uh, to uh, to perform as best as possible, and uh, I was shocked uh, to the level of uh, laid back. The guys were so laid back, and it was I was like they won the trouble, preparing like this, eating chips, steak, drinking coke, ketchup, or like. <laughs> It's impossible in Italy. You can't even... <laughs> yeah, it's impossible. So I was like, I'm so glad I joined earlier. <laughs> I didn't spend 10 years in Italy where you train twice, three times a, a day. Mm. I mean, it was, it was fantastic. It was very good. It was refreshing. When you left nine years later, were you having ketchup and chips? <laughs> <laughs> you were, uh, no, and you I were having to, coke. I went too. to Arsenal. It was back to back to Italy. Yeah, 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 back, yeah. <laughs> Very strict fish, <laughs> yeah. vegetables. <laughs> what was the, what were the differences between Sir Alex and Arsene Wenger? 
you have a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they, the, the differences are uh, huge. It's, I think it's, it's better to, to speak about the, uh, the common ground and uh, yeah, the, the, thing they are, the thing they have in common. So the work ethic, crazy for football. I mean, football is their lives, right? Uh, they don't switch off at all. Maybe so Alex when he's going to the racing. <laughs> but uh, other than that, it's like non-stop, non-stop, non-stop about, not about Premier League and what Liverpool is doing, Arsenal is doing, no, about what's happening in France, in Italy, in Spain. They know the, the knowledge, the level of knowledge about the game is uh, in the memory was uh, impressive, really, really impressive. Because if we go, if we go into the differences, I mean, they, you have one Frenchman and one Scottish. So mentality, uh, up, upbringing is completely different. The, the coaching uh, methods and uh, the man management was, was different. Yeah, it goes on and on and on, on the list. <laughs> but uh, yeah, great football mind and uh, great uh, human being. We won't keep you too much longer. I do want to ask you about your relationship with the Manchester United fans, though. How connected did you feel with them during your time and still now because they're loyal fans? They are extremely loyal. And uh, the best example for me is uh, when I, my friends from Italy visiting me. Uh, there was one season when, uh, when we lost at home against Chelsea 5-0. No, 3-0. We lost 3 nil at home. And my friend, uh, Marco, was amazed about the fans clapping us at the end when we go into the tunnel, you know, the stretch behind them. And uh, the support we received was, you wouldn't see that in Italy, in France, in Spain. Forget it. They, <laughs> they would throw coins yeah. whatever they could. <laughs> Uh, the one pound, <laughs> very Ooh, heavy, very so heavy at the time. <laughs> Boom! Uh, <laughs> it was, it was like he wouldn't understand. Uh, and for me, it wasn't surprising anymore. But yeah, they are loyal, so they know that if you give hundred percent, you've tried your best. And um, and it's easy to measure, right? The fans are are far from being stupid. They know when you give hundred percent or not. Uh, for this club, so it was, it, it is still a great support for from uh, from me, uh, and it's it's fantastic uh, whenever I go back to to see uh, to see that to witness even the the new generation working with their dads, they they yeah they they smile and they're very happy to, to meet us. Mikhail, I think that sounds like the perfect place to leave it. Thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, guys. Sorry for the noise. <laughs> That's okay. What are you getting built? I don't know. It's uh, it, it's not. Oh, oh it's not it's, yours. It's, uh, yeah, it is our building, but uh, it's a huge building. It's a tower. Oh, that's noisy all day. Mikhail, thank you so much. You're welcome. Take care. Have a nice day. Bye bye. You too. What a great episode that was. 
Absolutely loved that one. Although I say that every time, but I really did. They are all good. Like we don't, nobody, it's like, I always think of that thing that Mark Hughes said, who it turns out incredibly decent. Again, another example of that, um, where he said everybody, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it's like, almost everybody who wore the red shirt once has a story to tell. So they're all good yeah. because everybody, regardless of their career, I mean, obviously Mikhail's career was brilliant, but there's going to be something unique and interesting about that story about how they got to Manchester United and what happened when they mm-hmm. were there. And I think that's why they're all really good. I really wanted to go deeper in that story, but Sir Alex picking him up from the airport. I don't know why it's such a big deal to me, but <laughs> I thought mm, maybe I shouldn't ask any more questions about that, but I really wanted to. <laughs> you did like it. You had a big German car. We learned that. Um, my favourite <laughs> bit was him laughing, being like, you're preparing like this and you've won the treble. Yeah. Chips, ketchup, yeah. coke. It actually sounds like my life. <laughs> Diet this, Coke, obviously. Of course, yeah, of course, Diet Coke. For those uh, who, who maybe haven't listened all the way through, I've known Helen several years. I've never seen her without a Diet Coke. Holding one now. <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, Always available. Uh, he, was, uh, he was great. Also, what an incredible Inter Milan team he was at. And it was just to me, like, right, well, I'll leave. That's fine. Yeah. He seems quite chilled out, though, doesn't he? Yeah, very very relaxed I also think there's a theme with um, certainly players from his era who talk about not wanting to lose and that that hatred of losing and it seems to come like as an emotion it seems to resonate with them so much higher than the, like, the joy of winning yeah but I think that's a quality that Sir Alex Ferguson looked for in a player yeah that, and yeah. that was a Man United thing mm-hmm. whether you had it or not when you arrived at Manchester United you would certainly leave with it yeah I guess that's it that's the culture isn't it yeah yeah, excellent podcast really cool. I love that one yeah really good um, hope you enjoyed it if you want to get in touch as you can the email address is um, unitedpodcast at mayunited.co.uk or obviously you can send us messages on Twitter like Adrian's done he said binge watching United Podcast on MUTV love hearing stories from past and present players says it's the absolute best thank you Adrian Lil Zayad said nice podcast by the legend Jemba Jemba oh, I thought it was a really good podcast as well that was so funny and it made me cry yeah and, which is funny because at the very beginning of this one Mikhail made a joke about getting tissues out and I thought about saying then he's making a joke out of the idea of crying but it happens <laughs> it's not the rarest thing on this podcast it's never happened to you Sam I'm a cold hearted man we ne- who, can, who can we get on that's going to make Sam cry I think we just need to get Maisie in the room and start nipping you just play the last 10 minutes of Toy Story 3 and I'll be in floods of tears. Oh, Sam. Makes Come me on, these are real you emotions. Football's you... real emotions. So is the, the loss of innocence in childhood. It's a real thing. Hits me real hard. I think it's time that we finish there. <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably right. <laughs> All right. Have a good week, Sam. Thank you, you too, Helen. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.